Hi, and welcome to the worship service for First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange for this July 24th, 2022. Uh, regret that this audio is merely going to be a reread of portions of the service because we had technical difficulties in the recording of the service. Technical difficulties is merely another way of saying that uh, we forgot to hit record. And so when the service was over, we realized that we had made no record uh, of the service. Too bad, too, because it was a lot of stuff we're not going to be able to recreate. Uh, Camaro Wagner uh, did an arrangement of the Ride of the Valkyries uh, for left-hand piano alone. And Tyler Keeble, our organist and pianist, did a phenomenal job of substituting the anthem with his left-hand uh, rendition of that particular arrangement. You had to be here. And I guess if there's anything else I want you to know is you need to be here. 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, 150 South Ashland, corner of Ashland and Elm in LaGrange, Illinois. It's uh, wonderful that you're listening in, but it would be even greater to be able to see you eye to eye, face to face, and hear your voice joining in our hymns and prayers as we worship together. So without not much more ado, we're going to read the gospel lesson first, and the gospel lesson comes from the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend among us arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Now, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you? Who, if your child asked for a fish, would give a snake instead of a fish? Or if your child asked for an egg, would you give a scorpion? If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Open up our hearts to receive your word. And as we pray, help us to comprehend that we are often too small in what we understand, but that you have more for us than we could possibly imagine. In the name of Christ, amen. Have you done your chores, cleaned up your room, practiced the piano, finished your homework, cleaned up the yard? These were common questions that all needed an affirmative act answer before, as a child, my parents would say, now we can talk about what you want. The amazing thing about Jesus' instructions on prayer here in the Gospel of Luke was how Jesus told his disciples that God's response was not about them. 
It was not about what they had accomplished, and so God would now listen. Now, Luke gives us a scrappier outline of the Lord's Prayer. It seems uh, rather brief compared to Matthew's. Father, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive our sins. For we forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. It's nowhere near as filled out as the Mithean version that is provided in the sixth chapter of that gospel. By the way, the fact that there are two versions of the Lord's Prayer should never come as any surprise to a preacher. I frequently say something in conversation on a given Thursday, and then it ends up in my sermon on Sunday. On one occasion, the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, and he gives them a rough outline here in Luke. Then a few weeks later, delivering the Sermon on the Mount, he has this full-blown version, the same idea. Luke recounts only the conversation. Matthew recounts the sermon. Regardless, in both versions, the prayer presumes an intimacy between the one who is praying and the hearing God. There's no litany reminding the deity of our identity or worthiness. The prayer begins with the audacity of a pre-existing condition. And here in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus elaborates on that disposition of the relationship. He says, suppose you have a friend, or if your child asks, you give good gifts to your children. It is the presumption of that intimacy that should transform how we pray. In Paul's letter to the church in Colossia, that was also read in Scripture this morning, Paul reiterates the presumption. Watch out that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, initiatory visions, puffed up without a cause by a human way of thinking. Paul is saying, prayer and your relationship with God requires no additional fill-in, no additional philosophy or worthiness. Prayer does not start with, I've done all these wonderful things, God, so you're going to have to pay attention to me. No, prayer starts with a God already listening. It's interesting to note, too, that prayer is a private activity. In our gospel lesson this morning, it begins with Jesus praying, and when he's done, the disciples say, Jesus Teach us to pray. If Jesus was praying out loud, they could have just jotted down the content of his prayer, heard some key words and a little tone, but clearly Jesus wasn't praying out loud. They couldn't overhear him, and so they had to ask. And as Matthew recalled, when Jesus offered this prayer as an example, he started out by saying, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. And Jesus continues with the familiar, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What I find interesting in the reading of the Lord's Prayer today is the additional verbs that appear in both Matthew and Luke. Now remember Matthew's version 
is a sermon, and the Lord's Prayer appears in the middle of that sermon. So between the Lord's Prayer and other reflections on prayer, there are some extra points that Matthew talks about, about giving and about sharing and about keeping private that which is given to God. Luke recalls the conversational version where Jesus teaches the prayer and then talks about friends and children. Then he offers three verbs, three verbs in both Gospels. Matthew, a little later, after Jesus has given some other reflections, but closely linked to prayer. What are the prayer verbs? Ask, seek, knock. Now, we're pretty good at the asking part. Lord, grant that our missionaries today go to Milwaukee without injury of body or heart. Grant to them a meaningful time that they may return strengthened in compassion, renewed in faith, and restored in their relationship to you and to one another and to the world which you have created. Amen. Something along those lines is what we're going to be doing during our offering time, and that is commissioning our Texas mission trip kids before they head to Milwaukee for a week of service. It's a pretty good prayer. Except that's only one-third of the work of prayer. It doesn't include the other two verbs. Now, as most of you know, cancer has come into our home as an unwelcome guest. We did not look for it. We did not intentionally let it in. But there it sits on Danny's chest, a demanding intruder. And like all unwelcome trespassers, it has disrupted the otherwise routine rhythms of our day. Now, both Danny and I like to cook, and we like to think of ourselves as fairly competent cooks. And we are always quick to compliment one another on the meals that are prepared. And for the past several years, Danny has done the lion's share of the cooking. Every week, one or two times, I would enter the kitchen and put together some meal and then make a big deal about the fact that I cooked dinner, to which Danny would respond, oh, you mean like I've done for the previous five days? But when I was cooking, what I want to convey is that I was kind of a visitor in the kitchen. I was very careful to avoid disrupting what was primarily her domain. But these days, because Danny is the one who is assigned to entertain cancer, I find myself doing significantly more kitchen work. Giving cancer all the attention it demands is exhausting, and so I've been doing the cooking, putting together many of the meals, but because the kitchen is not completely mine, I'm clueless as to the location of only occasionally used implements. Standard conversation in our house these days goes something like this. Hey, love, where's the little cheese grater? It's in the drawer. Which drawer? The third one on the left-hand side behind the can opener. All I see are towels. That's the fourth drawer. I said the third drawer. Next thing I know, she's in the kitchen, dragging cancer along with her, pulling open the drawer, taking out the cheese grater, and putting it on the counter. Did you look? She asked as she escorts cancer back into the living room. She is justifiably annoyed. Why? Because while I asked, I didn't exactly seek. And if I did seek, I wasn't willing to knock around until I could fulfill my petition without her active intervention. Ask, it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. We're very good at the asking part. 
we forget that seeking and knocking are equally prayer, equally acknowledging the presence of God's provision. The prayer doesn't end with amen. Amen merely moves us from the asking part of the prayer to the seeking and knocking part. We pray in our house that God will make cancer leave, and leave soon. We also ask that God make sure cancer not leave a mess on its way out. And whatever damage it does do, we pray that it will be quickly repaired. That's the asking part. It's frequent in our home. But I've also been learning that equally important to the request has been seeking and knocking. Seeking treatment. Knocking on the doors of sometimes reluctant and uncooperative schedulers and lab coordinators. And as Danny looks up information and makes calls and we drive to appointments, I'm discovering that the whole process of seeking and knocking is also prayer. That when dealing with a demanding, unexpected guest, prayer is not only asking for things to change, but also diligently seeking our own cupboards, and then going to a friend and knocking on the door to get help. All of it is prayer. And so as we commission our Toxus missionaries today, We not only ask that God provide them with safety and wisdom, but we've also packed their vans with supplies and first aid kits and a full tank of gas. We seek out Next Step Ministries that will coordinate their work for the coming week, and we've been knocking on your doors for support. No part of that process is more holy than another. All of it is prayer. What becomes transformative is, again, the shift of focus. Not seeing it as the stuff that God does and then the stuff that we got to do, but seeing all of it as God hearing, God walking, God knocking right alongside us, which makes the entire journey holy. As you therefore, wrote Paul, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, Continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That rooting and establishment of our faith is the recognition that life itself, the asking, the seeking, the knocking, the finding, the opening, is all part of of the same prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Amen.